Hey guys, this is Joe748, and I'm here with gambling expert and author, SD1. Now an author, officially. Officially an author. (laughs) So we're just going to interview some of the authors from the book, so you can guys get a little bit of background on some of the stories that you're going to read. So SD1, why did you choose this story out of all the stories that you have? Well, it's obviously got a little bit of a star component, but also... It's legitimately, other than like when I first started and was a little nervous about back-offs, it's the only time in my professional gambling career that I was legitimately nervous and sincerely scared for my life in a way. (laughs) (laughs) So for those who haven't read the story yet, can you give us just a little quick summary of what the story was? Yeah, so I was in Vegas and going to one of the quintessential card-counting casinos in Vegas, one that a lot of times gives you time. And I felt really confident in how I behave at tables. So, you know, I just went to the high-limit room and intended on just play all strategy, sit down, put my feet up, and see how long I could last. And when I got in there, I just had noticed a guy at the table and he was surrounded by three big dudes. One of them was a little more fat than muscular. Two of them were uh, very muscular, but they're all big. And then this very small girl woman with him. And I looked to the right and I wanted to play double deck at the time. The six deck table didn't even have a dealer at it. And the other double deck table was reserved. So I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to join this guy's game because I noticed that he's the only one playing. So I walk up and I noticed that nothing was happening at the table. Like there was no action. They were just sitting there. And I'm like, okay, this is weird. So I said, uh, hey, man, are you playing and can I join? And he didn't really even look at me. He kind of just tilted his head sideways and said, I'm betting a lot of money. I prefer to play by myself. And I was like, okay, cool. I respect that. And he pointed out the table next to him that was empty. And I said, well, that one's reserved. And he said, no, it's reserved by me. And he nods to the dealer and said, he's cool. And I was like, all right, heads up. This guy's obviously playing a lot. And then right when I started walking away, they came in for a chip fill. And I saw chips that I had never seen before. I didn't recognize the colors. And I'm like, what the heck? And when they start taking them out and doing all the procedures to count how much is being exchanged to the table from the cage, I notice that they're $25,000 chips. Oh, God. Do you remember what color those were? Man, you know, I thought about that the other day. I want to say that they had yellow in them. Solid gold chips. Yeah, right. (laughs) I honestly don't remember. Also... Fun fact, I'm colorblind, so it's probably not even worth it. (laughs) Don't get us started on that colorblind. (laughs) It can be very confusing. What was the minimum bet that the guy was playing at the first table? Do you remember what the minimum was? What he was betting? Yeah. Like, was it $100 men, $500 men, or? Oh, you mean the men at the table? Yeah. You know what? I didn't even pay attention to that. Like, so you're wondering if he possibly upped the limit to the table or something like that. Yeah, I did not even pay attention to that at all. But later in the story, I play with him, and I'm betting two hands of 100. So yeah, 
It was right. probably like just a standard table, and he just had the authority to say nobody can play. So anyway, I'm like, wow, that's a lot of money. And to myself, I say, self, there is probably a very small chance that I am being looked at if this guy's swinging so big, you know, for the non-pros out there, one dealer mistake is very costly for the house. Yeah. So I'm guessing that the two, three people in surveillance have all eyes on that tape, unless one of them has to peel their eyes away. So I sit down at the end of the table, I start playing, everything's fine, and I mentioned to the dealer, so, you know, is that a regular over there, pretty big player, whatever, and she nods, and then the guy ends up, like, looking over at me, and I realize, holy crap, that's Dana White, <laughs> and I'm like, is that Dana White? I said it quietly, which is difficult for me to do, and she looks at me, and says no out loud but kind of nods her head up and down <laughs> and i'm like okay cool so uh, i get it and i was like well thinking to myself that's cool so anyway i just i'm like this is good right so i'm playing i'm playing i'm playing and then the guy just calls over and just asks the dealer if i'm quote unquote good and she's like yeah he's good and i'm guessing if you know do I play the right kind of blackjack, mm-hmm. uh, non-gambler logic? And he asked me to join the table to mix up the cards. I don't know if he was having a really bad night, because from what I understand from some other interviews that I've read since, he generally does play by himself. He was super polite when you know he gave me his table, uh, his reserve table, I guess so he could switch whenever he wanted. And when I sat down with him, he was a really, really nice guy. For the most part, he played pretty close to the book. I would actually say his basic strategy is better than your average blackjack player on the tables. However, he is still a gambler, and he definitely takes his shots and follows his gut and does things he definitely should not be doing. Do you remember something he was doing that was, like, off? or Not doubling when he should and doubling when he shouldn't. Yeah, That kind of stuff. You know, taking his shots. He's a big gambler, self-admitted. So I didn't think this through before, like, yeah, they're probably not going to look at me anymore on this table or that table. They're probably still looking at him. I don't know if they're going to catch my spread of two times $100 anywhere to, you know, two times five or two times six on this double deck game. It was a risk, but it was an opportunity to (laughs) to play with Dana White. So I was like, yeah, cool. But I didn't think through what could go badly. And in blackjack, as you know, Joe 748, there are counts that call for us to deviate from basic strategy because there is more value in it for us. So one of those things arose and my hands were working faster than my brain. (laughs) And halfway through the motion to actually do what I was supposed to do, my brain caught up with my automation and I was like, oh my gosh, what if this goes wrong? And decided in the moment, like, what? Well, screw it. Well, what did it. you do? So I was doubling on a hand that most individuals at a blackjack table don't typically like. And it's considered a quote unquote strong hand. So it was a soft 19. 
Oh, nice. Yeah, it was a soft hand that, you know, is a quote-unquote strong hand against the dealer's bus card, and I double. And he had a bad hand, like just a stay hand, like a bust hand versus the dealer's five or six, and his other hand was a 20. I remember that, too. So he kind of looked over at me, but not like didn't turn his head again. He kind of just like I could see the expression. I could feel the tension and I'm just thinking, oh, my gosh, here I am with my and I had actually up my bets a little bit because I was feeling very cocky and confident that I could actually play even bigger. Oh, yeah. And I remember when I, when I put the bet out and I had raised my bets, he made this comment about being a big bet. And I looked at him and was like, not as big as what you're betting, man. Yeah. <laughs> and the dealer, when they flip over their whole card, they had a five. They essentially made 11. Oh, God. And when the count's really high, obviously there's a reason we're betting more. There's more tens. It's tens rich. So I'm like, Great. every card counter has seen this a million times. Here comes the 21. My heart was racing. I mean, I am like, I am going to die tonight. Or I'm just going to be kicked out of the casino simply because he said, that guy should never be allowed back here again or upsets him and they don't want anything to do with me or whatever. So the next card comes, and luckily it was a small card. And I was like, oh, there's hope. But I've also seen this play out so many times. I'm like, you're still going to make 21. The dealer busts. Nice. And I don't think that I actually was breathing for that amount of time. <laughs> like, butthole puckered, not breathing, heart racing, palm sweating. Like, I'm just like, my gosh. And it worked out. And I breathed a massive sigh of relief, and he made a comment about it being a ballsy or a gutsy call. So, played it out, count drop, shoes over, double deck, it's pretty quick, and I decided that I was done with that. I'm, I'm, I'm Because <laughs> eventually it's not going to work out, right? Yeah. And I thanked him. It was really cool. And that's pretty much the story in a nutshell. And it was a lot of fun. It worked out. But man, was it gut-wrenching. Do you think if you got two tens and it was time to split, do you think you would have done that? Well, I don't split tens in Vegas, so no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I don't know if, I honestly don't know if I would have the courage to split tens, as aggressive of a player as I am, to split tens with someone at, at the table who's betting like 25 grand a hand. Yeah, times two. Two hands. Oh, my God. He's got 50K on the table. Wow. And could you imagine just one of those mistakes from the deal? Like how much that would have cost them or the, or him, you know, either way. Yeah. And so as many times as you and I have seen mistakes go both ways, I mean, that could be real bad for the casino. I mean, how many times as big as you've bet, as big as I've bet, and I have been under what you've maxed out at, like how many times have you won 25K in a session? Yeah. Handful of times? Yeah, very few. Yeah, very few. Yeah. And you're talking one mistake swings (laughs) $25,000 one way or the other. I mean, even like his non-perfect basic strategy, I wonder how many thousands of dollars that adds up to over time, him missing out on. Yeah. I'm also curious. I mean, it's it's a good round number, but I also wonder, like, has that dealer messed up paying him a blackjack before? (laughs) Like a really common thing to do? Yeah. It's not like, you know we see dealer mistakes because they're so used to paying them on say $25 or whatever 
but then you're dealing with $25,000. It seems like it's not a common thing for them. So I wonder if that dealer's nervous as crap. I know. Yeah, you would think. I mean, I would be. Do you remember how many chips he had in front of him at the table there? Was it a, a ton well, of 25? So how many is... So when they bring in the chip fill, a full rack is two, three, four, five sections oh, of 10. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. So one column. I mean, when they brought in the chip fill little acrylic, you know, white box, he probably had four rows. Wow. They're on his side. Crazy. Yeah. It's nuts. But he apparently loves it. He's a, a very big gambler. And I've heard him talk about his wins a lot and smile about them. Yeah, hey, that's a lot of expensive comp dinners there. <laughs> 500 right. grand breakfast. Yeah, well, I wonder what his comps look like. First of all, the guy can, <laughs> like, buy roof. anything he wants. So I wonder, like, what they even do for yeah, him. Yeah, right. He just loves to gamble. Hey, that's that's probably all they want. They want the thrill. Yeah. It's insane that there have been casinos that have not wanted his action because they're afraid of his action. Yeah. Quite literally. Right. Because... Variance is variance, whether you have a negative EV or a positive EV game. We know that. Mm-hmm. So he can go on a big heater. <laughs> right. Yeah. But what does the heater look like to him? Millions? Yeah. I mean, yeah, you could have a player, a gambler, who wins 100 hours over time and still be up. So that's that's not unheard of. And imagine being up 100 hours at his level. It would probably wipe a smaller place out for quite a while. Yeah, but we're talking about a Vegas casino. Yeah, that, yeah. That's, we don't want your action anymore. Yeah, wow. Same. Like, do they not trust their own math? Yeah. It's just crazy. And it's clear he's not doing anything. Yeah. Like, there's not a daggone thing AP-oriented around him, but there's, like, this lore around him because he is such a big player. He's giving interviews. He talks about things all the time and whatever. It's and, But there are some other notable celebrities. I remember Charles Barkley being interviewed about because he doesn't hit 16s. <laughs> Ever uh-huh. like Charles Rogers, like, no, you're crazy. You let the dealer bust. And he's a big gambler, and he always is like, That's insane. I think Andy Block actually corrected him in like some interview or whatever. <laughs> I don't know if he was talking to him or not, but he was like, Yo, you definitely want to hit those 16s. Basic strategy. <laughs> <laughs> Charles Barkley wouldn't have it. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, No way. <laughs> cool. Thanks, SD1, for giving us your background, and your story. I'm really excited for people to read your story and everyone else's story in the book. Up next, we're going to have some more interviews with other authors from the book, and we'll catch you then. Hey, this is Colin, and I'm here with Joanna. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So I thought to introduce you, I would read your bio that you gave us. Sure. Okay. Joanna Henderson lives in Washington physically and the south of Italy mentally. She attends magic school twice a year. She and her husband have produced three actual offspring who don't know about the blackjack life she leads and continue to think that their mom is very lame. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty accurate and sums it all up. Did you write that? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I thought that was great. I got a kick out of that. And just so you know, my kids know about my blackjack exploits and they still think I'm lame. So. Oh, okay. So telling them doesn't really make it any better. (laughs) Are you planning on telling them at some point? Yeah, I have to. It's such a big part of my life. But I think right now they would have no concept at all. (laughs) Fair enough. It'll probably blow their minds when they find out. Okay, so I wanted to talk to you because your story is so captivating. I thought we could try to... Actually, is there anything else you can tell people about your history with Blackjack? 
Yeah, just it's been really a wild ride from the actual beginning. I remember I was driving and I got a call from my astrophysicist friend who is just one of those people that's extremely calm. Her voice never really, you know, has any <laughs> fluctuations. She's just extremely calm. And I thought something had happened and she was like practically yelling in the phone. And I'm like, what? What is it? What is it? She's like, you're not going to believe this. How would you like to make money playing cards? She knew I loved cards, like physical cards or playing whatever, you know, go fish or whatever it was. I just loved cards, which actually is why I also do magic, but that's another story. But anyway, so she started freaking out that her roommate always had a ton of cash laying around. I mean, wads, right? And so she eventually confronted him. She was in grad school at the time. And she said, hey, are you, you know, are you a drug dealer? I'm definitely summarizing this. And, you know, he's like, no, I play blackjack. And actually we're hiring and, you know, we're recruiting new people. So she was really relieved that he wasn't a drug dealer, but still didn't really understand it. But anyway, after talking to him for a while, she learned, you know, about the potential to play blackjack. And although she was only mildly interested, she knew I would be extremely interested. So anyway, she just told me all this, like I said, semi yelling. And I'm like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? And that began like the rest of <laughs> history, as they say. So essentially, you know, I met up with her when she wasn't yelling at me and I met up with her roommate and, you know, he explained to me how it all works. And I mean, I trained for weeks and weeks and weeks and then I mean, the the next thing was crazy. I flew to Vegas by myself. I was really young at the time. And again, it's like everything is out of a movie, including these stories, but they're they're all true, but you don't tell anyone because I mean, A, no one would believe you. It all sounds like fiction. Also, it's really, it's just so crazy. (laughs) So I show up with a backpack. I'm by myself. A car pulls up. It's hard to really explain this, but, you know, just these characters are in the car. And I got in, but they weren't really saying very much. So actually, about three minutes in, I started yelling. And I'm like, pull over, pull over. And they pull over and I end up like getting out of the car and running. And then one of the guys is like, hey, where are you going? Because I thought I got in the wrong car because yeah. they weren't, weren't really saying anything. They were picking me up to take me to where I could test for this, you know, so-called team. And I started running down, you know, the street. They're like, where are you headed? I'm like, well, who are you? They're like, what do you mean? Who are we? It was just so weird from the beginning. So <laughs> I eventually get to this place and, you know, just started testing and it was days of testing and really intense tests. So you know how it goes, but that led me to blackjack. That's awesome. So you played for a large team for how long? Oh boy. So I played for several large teams. This one was the largest. Gosh, how many years was that? I should know this. I think, oh my gosh, I can't remember. A few because it was intense. Like you did a lot in a few, like maybe two, three years, something like that. And then another team for two years and then another, you know, kind of went on from there. But yeah. Awesome. So did this story happen when you were part of one of those larger teams or or after when, when you were playing? No, in between the teams, but I was playing like with just some members of the teams together. We kind of formed our own like in between to make, you know, until we got onto a bigger team. So yeah, we were just playing our own thing. I know that you guys did that. And there are some other people I know that they'll put together a large team for a big play, but in between there, you know, there'll be little side, you know, bankrolls or, or whatever. And I'll give a little backstory. So the, the story you gave us is called the seven Tonys and you, you gave us multiple options, but this one was like, wait, what, what, what happened there? 
It's crazy. I know. <laughs> it sounds ridiculous, but it's... So if people want to read, you know, the story, it's in the new book, Tells from the Felt, but... I thought it would be fun to hear more of just more of the backstory. So what what were you doing in Vegas and just kind of tell us what transpired and and don't don't give away the ending but but everything else I think is just fun to hear. I just don't know. Uh, it's so insane, Colin. Like I just, I to this day, I swear. And you know, I haven't even told the story a lot because, again, it just sounds like one of those things that couldn't possibly happen. Like maybe there's like some exaggeration. I'm telling you, it is literally what I said in this in there, and I, I am not kidding you. And so, it was kind of back in the day with like business cards. Don't laugh. <laughs> Hey, I still judge. have business cards. Oh, oh, sorry. Like I said, right? It's like now. <laughs> no, but you know, and I I had, I don't want to give away too much of the story, but I had the business card of, uh, I was married to an individual at the time. Oh, that's a whole other story also. But, um, you know, when you play, you have these reasons why you're there, quote unquote, and reasons why you're, you know, gambling so much money. And so, you know, my reason was just that I hated him and I wanted him away from me. And like, I, I mean, there was like this elaborate story with that and it just so happened. And this is just my bad. And I mean, a mistake is an understatement, but the card fell out and and an individual picked it up and it put it in their pocket and then so began the plot to terminate said husband i mean like literally terminate you can imagine that the individual was of a large organized variety which i didn't know exactly when we were playing but i mean they were also gambling crazy which is why i liked that particular table because they were like arbitrarily like throwing down whatever they were doing and you know, I was doing what I was doing, but I mean, the whole scene was crazy. But the fact that the actual card of the actual husband, you know, fell out was just like, it, it was awful. So do, do you remember what they were betting or any idea? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, no, like up to table max, like it was 5,000 or something. Yeah, it was like 5,000. Yeah. yeah. I mean, not every hand, but it was, you know, it was, and it was truly arbitrary. Like yeah. it was like 500, 1,000, 5,000, you know, it was just there were such like characters of humans and we were having a great time. And so I was pretending to just be completely, you know, wasted and I hated my husband and I was relying on their, you know, emotional support at the table because, you know, people bond really quickly in weird, weird ways. And I was like, Oh, I love you guys. You're so sweet to me. I didn't know there were more of them behind the scene or the fact that they were, you know, of a particular organized variety and like side note, you know, obviously Vegas is for big conferences too. So my husband at the time was there for a chiropractic conference, which is why I had the um, business cards because, you know, he was at a conference. I just happened to have one. And the problem is once that got out of my hands, the whole thing now became how to get it back. Yeah. (laughs) Because I mean, I had this whole story and they, you know, I was young at the time and they were going to help me. They were going to save me from my horrible, you know, marriage situation. And, but it became really critical I like did something about that. And so the story in your book is like how I went about getting that card back. Cause asking them obviously wasn't going to work. So, cause I mean, I tried them like, Oh no, no, let me. And you're like, Nope, they were just shaking their heads. So it was pretty crazy. So you're playing high stakes and these, these, was it two, three guys at the table with you that are mm-hmm. their buddies and they're betting 500 to 5,000. Yeah. And your explanation for why you're betting, what, maybe a couple hands of 1,000, 2,000, something like that, your explanation is 
oh, it, my douchebag husband's money and I'm spending it all because I don't care about him and he needs to die and all the whole thing. But but in the middle of that, your real life husband's business card falls out of your pocket. Yeah, exactly. And That's these guys what's crazy. Get it. Yeah, they get it. They get it. It's just crazy. You know what I mean? Like how it all came to be. And like, you know, of course, my story was getting more and more detailed about how he just needs to, if he could just disappear, my life would be so much better. And, you know, I'm like gambling all this. I mean, it worked great for the, for the play, but then, oh my God, they took it seriously. And then I was just like, I couldn't undo it very easily. But I um, definitely did some extreme things after that. Not that that first part wasn't extreme, but you so know. you went, you went with them. How did that go? Well, so how much of the story do you want me to give away? So, I mean, no, I, don't, I don't want you to give away the ending, but it's called the Seven Tonys for a reason. You, you can, you can <laughs> tell. That's the other thing too. Like, and then yes, I did follow them. This was actually at the <laughs> the Venetian, which is crazy, and. Yes, I I followed them and met them. And of course, I had to go by myself because that was part of the story. And then I'm like trying to text the other people like this is like a really I need just I'll explain this later. But if you don't hear from me in like an hour, you know, come find to me kind of thing. And it was crazy because, you know, each of them introduced themselves and it was like that was part of what was out of a movie. It was like like, how much do you want me to tell? Do you want me to yeah. tell the part about the bath? Okay, so they were all in bathrobes. This is where at, at, at their hotel room. They yeah, exactly. So I should point out that one of the people at the table was in a bathrobe. So like, at the it table? Was, yeah, at the table. Yeah, so it was, a, which I thought was also really funny because, you know, but you think like, who is that guy? Hugh Hefner was in pajamas. So this guy was in a bathrobe, but you don't then think that every other person is in a bathrobe. And like, it, it, I can't remember if it was like a Venetian bathrobe or a bath, but they all had bathrobes and they introduced themselves like as if they had rehearsed this particular scenario. Like, hey, I'm Tony. And then the next one was like, hey, I'm Tony. And I was just like, oh my God. Like, hey, I'm Tony. Like they all were Tony and they were all in bathrobes and there were seven of them. And I was like, this is crazy on every level. Like they're all Tony. They're all in bathrobes and they're all sitting like around the, the you know, it was a suite obviously, right? So like this, these couch areas, they're all just there, you know, chain smoking and drinking and everything you think would be happening, like their look, their accents, like they were clearly like, you know, New York Tonys, I think. I, I mean, It was just ridiculous. And there I was with all the Tonys and I'm like, I got to get that card back. So because they're, they're ready to take care of they're your gonna take care of it. Yeah. for you. Yeah, exactly. Tell me a little more about this. You know, I'm like, you know, actually... <laughs> but just nothing worked. It was just like, sweetheart, you want to drink? And of course, you know, I can't do that either. So, oh my God, it was so crazy, Colin. So that's obviously, you know, I wouldn't normally have business cards, but, uh, and I never did again, never yeah. did anything again. And in fact, I modified like what I brought completely to be like an empty purse with like just the essentials, credit card ID, some cash and, you know, and then the cash you play with. So, oh my God, did I learn from that? But that was horrible and funny and crazy. And thank God it ended all right. <laughs> and now we have a great, a great story I know, that can finally, finally be told. Someday you can show it to your kids. 
Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that one I might <laughs> skip. But, but yeah, you know, I'm sure so many players have ridiculous stories like that. I mean, I've personally been witness to just things you wouldn't normally ever, you know, hear words strung together to form, you know, these scenarios. And and it's it's great that you're compiling something that actually captures all the things that have happened. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's been fun. Like Tommy Highland had some story I'd never heard of of him playing with a congressman and how it kind of changed legislation in in Atlantic City because this congressman didn't believe that the casinos were treating card counters the way that Tommy was describing it, and we, so Tommy's like, "Well, come with me to the casino in disguise, and like everything you would expect happens." A, no way with a congressman. That's in, that's yeah, insane. Yeah. So I mean, it's like, oh, I didn't I didn't know that story. You know, I'd never heard it, you know, but it's been fun, these stories coming out. And by the way, I let some family members read your story and everybody's like, did she make this up? No. Yeah. But no. <laughs> I'll say this. I've had countless people say on the internet that I'm making up the stories I've told or, or you know, the, the profits I've made or whatever. And it's like, yeah, people just don't believe the things that happen, you know, when you, when you do many years of high stakes blackjack. Yeah, that's a thing. And there's always some story, but then there's like the extreme crazy ones. And this was by far the most surreal and unexpected. Like everything just had to fall into exact place. You know, I had to be at that moment, you know, with the guy in the robe and like, you know, just the whole thing was so nuts. And it's nice to be able to like get that story out because, you know, I never said a word to anybody about this because it was just, I mean, except the people I was with, you know, eventually they're like, oh my God, you know, but yeah. Well, thank you again for <laughs> for sharing your story for charity, and and uh, I know people are going to enjoy reading it. And sometime, maybe I can lure you into doing a full podcast with me. I'm sure people would love to hear more. I love that. You did a gambling with an edge a few years ago. Is that correct? Oh yeah, I did. Yeah, I did so people one... can find that. You were probably in in town for our big uh, annual gathering. Wasn't that nice? Yeah, I tried to just keep in touch with all the people who would understand these types of stories or you can relate to. And yeah, so I did do one podcast with Gambling with an Edge and I'm open to more. Well, people can check that out and hear more of your story, but thanks so much for sharing the seven Tonys with us. All right. Thanks. Enjoy reading it. All right. So I am joined with Mr. Dusty Pink Chip. How are you doing, Dusty? Fabulous. Doing good, Colin. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So for those who don't know who you are or what your backstory is, maybe you can give just the real short version of your history with card counting. Sure. I started playing poker in my living room and it made my mom, she learned blackjack. So I taught her poker. She taught me blackjack, the very basics of card counting. And then uh, Mr. Colin Jones completed my training. I joined the team and we were off. Yeah, the church team. Yeah, and you won multiple six figures for the church team, played around the country, all that stuff. Yep, yeah. So you're joining us to share with us a story. And, and what's fun for me is I actually don't even know the whole story. <laughs> because you told part of it, we had our own private message board that was part of the church team. And you're, you're a very funny and enjoyable writer, and you told part of it and then you never you never finished it so we harassed you to share this for this book tales from the felt that we're putting out for charity and is actually out now by the time people listen to it and you did but you had to condense it because these are short stories and so 
what I want to do is I want to hear the whole story. Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. So start with, you know, it started with a trip before the infamous trip, right? How you got this money? Yeah. So the crazy thing is this story, I think I ended up calling it return from that hideous plane or universe, is actually the third part of an epic called Desperation Parts 1, 2, and 3. So in that previous, I had... Part one is I left 20 grand in a hotel bed table or uh, nightstand and had to go back for it on a subsequent trip, like a month later after the FBI was done doing whatever they were doing with it. So I had to go back to this place I'd already burned down and try to make money on this trip, getting this money back and couldn't. So I had to drive seven hours up to Fresno luckily found this whale of a casino up there and that's kind of the story part two of this like uh epic where i ended up being so desperate to make hours that i ended up playing like 23 hours in a day winning a ton of money so how much did you win um it gets fuzzy because i kept tapping that pinata for a long time And I know my biggest win there was like 90 grand. Yeah. I'm not sure that it was that trip. So, but I had won like at least 60 grand this trip. So I was just like cargo pockets full through the airport. So basically at this casino, someone had used the casino to launder their money and they cashed out clean money. And then the casino was holding on to 60 grand or some percentage of the 60 grand was marked bills. The detective had asked me like, have you like seen that much marked money before? Like, why wasn't that weird to you? And I'm like, dude, when you've seen as many hundred dollar bills as I've seen, they all look the same. And he was like, yep, it made sense to him, but it totally didn't. It just went right past my radar. I was like, whatever, that's money. I think it's real. And you probably cashed out. I'm I'm assuming you bought in something. Maybe you cash out 80 grand or something like that. Yeah, at least. Yeah, that's crazy. So you have all these marked bills, but you don't know. You don't realize it. You're completely unaware that all this cash. Well, I don't care. Yeah, like as far as my knowledge of money laundering goes, that's why you have to fill out a CTR. Like that's the only reason I have to ever give ID in a casino is because of some stuff that criminals do. You know, so totally just whatever. By the time they put it in my hands, they're supposed to shine the light on it and use the marker and all that stuff. Like that's not, by the time I get it, it's real money. Yeah. So, so you get the money and then you go on this, this subsequent trip a month later, probably. Yeah. About a month later, business as usual, man, just trying to grind it out. And yeah, that's where this starts. Okay. So, so just walk us through it. You, you got, you probably brought with you 60, 70,000 on a trip. Yep. I think I usually took like 80 and struggled to leave the hotel room as always, man. Something good was on TV. My f- wife and kid were there. And by the time I got out there and was hitting the tables, I didn't notice anything odd until it was going down. You start playing, you get invited up to the high limit room after, after a bit. Mm-hmm. 
And wh- where did things go from there? So then I get the usual tap on the shoulder, you know, Hey, uh, you need to grab your, your chips and come with me. And I'm like, okay, cool. Well, that's how long that lasted. I didn't expect it to last forever. I always hope it does, but I, I know it's not gonna. And then we walk over and it feels a little like maybe this is this guy's first back off, you know, like he seems nervous for some reason. And by the time I'm suspicious, I can look at the security guards badges and realize like, Oh, these guys who've been watching me, they're, uh, I thought they were security guards. These are cops and something weird's going down. How much do you want me to tell? Keep going. Yeah. Let's hear the, the full story. Maybe I'll, uh, I'll try to focus on the parts that didn't make it in. Sure. So there was a lot of like waiting, just waiting. I get down to the bowels of the casino and like, as far as I know, it's a, it's a usual back off, but with cops sounds fun. And then it gets less fun when they reveal to me why I'm there. I tried never to like volunteer any information if I can avoid it. So almost like with you where I'm like, you got to ask me, dude, <laughs> like, what do you want to know? Cause I just don't, I don't want to give away anything that they're not looking for. So when they ask me why I'm there, I'm like, or if I know why I'm there, I'm like, what? Nope. I, maybe I might know. But then they let me know why I'm there. And I'm like, oh, bummer. (laughs) This is way worse than any back off situation. Like, this is not just me having fun in a back room with casino security, seeing if I can get the young guys to giggle to the chagrin of the old guy who's taking this real serious. Is cops. Like, and they think I've done a crime. Yeah. Bad news, you know? And then um, they can't prove to themselves that I didn't. So (laughs) I end up having to spend the night in jail while they wait for the FBI to open at nine in the morning because they want to photograph every single serial number. Wow. I I don't know if they photographed both sides of every bill, but like we're talking like 80 grand at least is a lot of photos and then they're going to fax that to the fbi and the minute the fbi opens and looks at it they're like oh you got to cut that guy loose we got nothing on him (laughs) you know like they don't care they're like what are you doing finally i talked to the detective like in the morning so i was in jail all night i got to talk to the detective and he kind of let me know where i was at after i told him made like an official statement. He was like, yeah, the FBI, you know, we sent them all this, all these pictures and they're like, do you have any evidence that he committed a crime? And they're like, well, look at all the money. That's what police department's answer was. And the FBI was like, yeah, but do you have any evidence that he committed a crime? And they're like, the money? No. So they had to let me go because I didn't do anything wrong. But it was cool. Actually, the detective was a really cool guy. Another thing that's not in the story is what was going on with my wife at, and my child at the time, which I wouldn't find out until I was released from jail. And they came and picked me up. So at some point, the lieutenant 
who had been described to me as the most powerful man in the city right now. Cause I guess the mayor was asleep or something. <laughs> they said that to you. This is the most powerful man in the city. Yeah. One of the guys, one of the cops, when I'm in a room with like a bunch of like six cops and a couple of sec- casino security and all that, they're like, this is, it was probably one of the times I was trying to pee. He's like, this is like the most powerful man in the city right now. <laughs> all right, cool, whatever. But he, and the detective went to my hotel room. Uh, I told him where it was. I told him my wife was in town. They went to question her. And, and I was, I'm glad of that because they wouldn't let me talk to her. They wouldn't let me call her. So she got to find out by opening the door to a couple of uh, official-looking gentlemen that I was in jail. And that the casino was going to impound my car if she didn't go pick it up and they took a little statement from her and then left my wife in the hotel told me at two in the morning to go pick up her car. Wow. Except the detective came back and was like, Hey, do you need a ride? Oh, that's cool. Yeah. It was super cool. So he, uh, you know, she's like loading up the car seat in the back of his car and he, brought her to the casino. She picked up my car. I thought that was kind of a douche move, frankly, that the casino was just going to impound my car. I hadn't like let the casino staff know what was going on. I strategically gave information to cops. And then I was told that they were banning me from the casino by a cop. And I'm like, you didn't tell them what I told you, did you? But I I'm sure they did. Yeah. So, I think it was like their little kind of jab, like take that card counter. Yeah. So then what about the money? The money, they, they had to give it back because it was in my possession when I got there. And, Even though uh, it was marked. So they just had the serial numbers and all that, but you get the marked bills. Oh, of course. Uh, of course. And I take them to a different casino, <laughs> buy in for chips and cash out for clean money. Don't you know how this works? <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, it was just the one casino that that figured out, you know, that they were marked while you were buying in with them. Right. And it was also interesting because I was told that the told the casinos to watch out for marked bills because of a rash of bank robberies in the area. But they were looking for 20s and my bills were hundreds. And then I read, I remember sitting in the back of the squad car and like reading the report through the grate, the metal mesh, you know, and reading that off the cop's computer, like, oh, the casino called because of a suspicious looking college student looking guy with too much money. I'm like, huh, that's weird. So I don't know which version of all that is the truth. I'm guessing the one in print, but seems like I was getting profiled, you know? Yeah. Maybe there aren't a lot of young millionaires, I guess. <laughs> oh, there are. But uh, I mean, that, that was definitely the vibe I always tried to give off in the casino, like hedge fund money, burning a hole in my pocket. Yeah, totally. So is that your only arrest? I'm going to go with no comment. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. <laughs> But I will say my biggest regret from that was I really had to pee in the back of the squad car really bad. And 
I told the guy I got to go to the bathroom. This was before we left the casino to go to jail. I sat in the alley for like 45 minutes or something. I'm like, dude, can I go, you know? And he's like, no, not right now. They're going to, they're busy, you know? So I'm like, well, this whole back seat area is all hard plastic for the purpose of hosing it out. Can I just go over there on that side of the squad car? He's like, you don't want to because um, you're going to be wearing those shorts all night. And I'm like, oh, I don't plan on getting my shorts wet. I'm just going to get my hands in front and then go on that side of the car. And he's like, that's when he said, no, no, that's resisting arrest. So I really wish at this time that I would have just pissed my pants. It's the only time in my life that I can say I wish I would have, but didn't, you know? You, you might have been regretting it at like 5 a.m. Yeah, yeah. And who might else have been regretting it is everybody in the freaking drunk tank with me. That would have been rough. <laughs> Was that your worst blackjack trip ever? I'm going to go with yes. Yeah. <laughs> but then after that, you still got hours in. Yeah. Rent was still due. <laughs> I still had, I still owed people money. So I wanted to quit, but then, you know, life didn't stop. Life came back to normal. So yeah, it was an experience. Well, I'm glad to finally hear the full version of the story. Thanks for sharing it with the book. Yeah, man. It's one of the only arrest stories in the book, but not the only. Oh, yeah. Nice. So you can, right. you can enjoy the others. So, yeah, you know, there's something about the way casinos react. And I guess it wasn't because you're counting cards. It was legitimate, like, oh, you've got stolen bills. But uh, something about casinos, they just flip out and overreact and make a mountain out of a molehill. Yeah. It's weird. So you you ever get the bug to play anymore? Once in a while. I can't remember the last time I played. It was within the last probably three or four years. Yeah. I do. I think about it. Think about buying an RV and just hitting the road with the family. You know? Right on. Cool. Well, thanks for uh, sharing the story with us. And thanks for all all of the uh, videos and, and podcasts you've done. People love hearing your stories. And I love hearing your stories. Awesome. Glad to share. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And uh, people can catch the book, Tales from the Felt, out now on Blackjack Apprenticeship. 21 stories from 21 Blackjack professionals with custom illustrations for each one, all for charity. 